0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with InCreative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about the fantastic Apple TV Plus show, Schmigadoon, for the second series where we step into the world of Schmicago. We are joined today by showrunner and co-creator Cinco Poole, Titus Burgess, Erin Tavate, Jaime Camille, and Dove Cameron. And Cinco, and in starting with you and talking a little bit about your writing process, um, I was interested in how, you know, you really obviously use music as, as an initial foundation and formulation for the narrative. And I've heard you speak about how you create a playlist of, of a lot of musicals of that era that you're really kind of thinking about in terms of the tone and, and narrative influence and then you sit there and kind of play through the scores as well for yourself and and off the back of that wanted to ask about how you really kind of sit with the original source material and find the the fabric and the foundational elements that you want to carry over into other musical compositions to kind of create these wonderful original pieces that still have this real sense of sense memory and familiarity for audiences
1: yeah i mean i think it's i'm first of all especially this season i was so familiar with all the music i mean i love these musicals so much i almost didn't have to play through the scores but i but i did it anyway because it is it's important for me to sort of you get to feel the feel of what the tendencies are of these composers harmonically and 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 melodically and and then studying the lyrics i always am shooting for like the highest form of pastiche possible and uh so that's a huge part of it. But also, you know, in some sense, the tail wags the dog in the sense that I have songs that I love. And, that you know, as soon as we were doing 60s and 70s, I'm like, I'm doing Corner of the Sky. I'm going to make Aaron sing my version of Corner of the Sky, you know, and and, uh, and we're definitely going to do Mine hair and we're going to do, you know, I and 100 percent we're going to do a little priest. And, you know, I, there's there's songs that I love so much that I I felt like uh, by hook or by crook, we're going to make it happen in the season. But then, you know, you get in the writer's room and you're mapping out the story. And it's just like any musical, you spot songs, right? You're looking through and say like, okay, this is what this could be a song. This could be a song, you know, and and uh, and that's really, really how it works. And, And this season was especially joyful and fun because, you know, Pippin and Sweeney, Todd, are my two favorite musicals and. There's a lot of them this season. <laughs> hmm.
0: and, and Aaron, for you this season, I've heard you say that, you know, the, the essence of the character that you're playing felt a little bit more broad than a lot of the characters that you've played in in other spaces. And so hmm. I was really interested in, in how you found the dynamic of approaching that because you have to kind of step into it and make it have that sense of broadness that really fits within the story, but still make it feel very centered and connected for people watch, watching to connect to it at the same time.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think I learned a lot season one. I think the my approach season one was kind of how I approach everything, like I'm trying to make it real and find the truth in it and all of that. And then very quickly, you know, because we were playing these kind of, in the first season, especially more stereotypes of these musical theater tropes. Um, and my- and because all of my scenes were kind of with Cecily, I I, I learned very quickly that I, the more I actually leaned into the idea of what these things were, the more successful it was, the more kind of takes it gave Cecily to react to. So then coming in this year and knowing that was kind of how this worked, I kind of, um, I gave myself the freedom just to go for it. And, you know, when I read this on the page, I was like, how is somebody at this, how is someone uh, Pippin and Claude and Jesus all at the same time? But I think, again, that's kind of the beauty of the show. And, And also, you know, my character and, and Dove's character, Jenny, we kind of, we, we, when we meet each other in this, in this season, we kind of, I think neither person knows who they are. And then um, we kind of find out who we are and who we want to be through each other. And so that also in thinking about playing a guy who's kind of three different guys, he's like, Oh, well, this guy has no idea who he is. Right. until he meets her. So it, I, it just kind of gave me a lot of freedom to kind of um, not worry how all the pieces fit together and to just kind of serve whatever needed to, to work for each individual scene.
0: That's so great. You know, and, and Dov, in, in terms of talking about your development of Jenny, um, you know, you've, you've spoken about really wanting to find the essence of Sally Bowles, but not to make it kind of a representation of a character that's just so intrinsic in the fabric and in how everybody knows that character. And even there's certain mannerisms that people already naturally associate. And so what were the aspects that felt important to kind of capture that familiarity? And where did you really want to create new space in, in this character that is part her, but also very much her own person in the story as well? Right.
3: Well, um. I was lucky because Cinco kind of had a sort of a like a like a corner of his mind idea or I don't I don't know if it was you know really how formed it really was but he told me pretty early on that I might be sort of inhabiting a a sort of a Jenny Banks uh, or Sally Bowles-esque character Um, and so I had my time to prepare I was really familiar with Liza's uh, cabaret performance and I think that like you know, growing up in the theater, you have these roles that you aspire to play one day, these different hats that you're trying on and how would you interpret this character? So like Cinco said, I was so familiar with this era, with these shows that I kind of felt like I knew what I wanted to do, but I definitely revisited a lot of cabaret as an adult now who wasn't just like growing up watching something and having it happen to me. Um, as an audience member, I wanted to go back and really like sort of pick her apart. And so I think that in from a from a sort of a, from a fan perspective, what I wanted to give fans of Cabaret um, was just this sort of like the the sort of the way in which she spoke, that sort of like mid-Atlantic, like 1920s, 30s kind of pitter patter and that like larger than life expressionism, like the way that she moves her hands and the way that she thinks she's kind of casting a spell on people as she talks. And she really sort of views herself externally to avoid everything that's going on internally. Um, and this kind of manic pixie dream girl thing that she thinks she's really like pulling the wool over everybody's eyes with, when maybe she's a bit off-putting <laughs> in a charming way. Um, I really wanted to just hopefully get close to scratching the surface of Liza's mannerisms, while also I think maybe infusing a, a little bit of Velma Kelly in the stage performance because I do think that the one thing that really separates Jenny Banks from Sally Bowles is that Jenny Banks is maybe a bit more aware of her sexuality. And um, Sally Bowles is really quite childlike in the way that she expresses herself because I think that her efforts are very childlike. She's like, I'm gonna get what I want through sheer force of will. And Jenny, I think maybe has a bit more um, streetwise, like reticence, or there's something about her that's just a bit more a bit more aware. Um, and that's, I think, where like a little bit of Elma Kelly comes in.
0: I love that. And, and coming over to you, Jaime, in terms of Sergeant Rivera, it's really wonderful to kind of watch this character and and start to really understand all these things that he so desperately wants in the world. You know, he really wants people to see him as a performer but he's not even necessarily kind of fully saying it out loud to people. So it's these very kind of like small little asides to himself and and just kind of like the looks of yearning that he's giving when he's watching someone else perform in a scene. Um, And so how did you approach really finding just those smaller choices that could really just tell us so much about everything that he's striving for?
4: Oh, I love I love to work with Cinco on those things because uh, he's our showrunner. But I think he's also uh, a very good director. You 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 are you know you know that Cinco right? You're a very uh, good director. Shucks. Thanks, so buddy. yeah, no, real, <laughs> so so talking to Cinco about I, I think at the beginning of the season, originally written Sergeant Rivera was you know also part of the show, but didn't have like a like a clear it didn't have any secrets, it, it didn't have any hopes or dreams, it was it was just there to kind of like make uh, Gigan's uh, character's life a little bit difficult. But then talking to Cinco was like, it, it, this guy should have a little bit more. And, and Cinco, of course, as generous and as creative as as he is, he's like, let's do this and this and this. That's that's why the reveal and the surprise at the at the very end. So once I knew that, uh, and Cinco and Alice and and our director, you know, telling us, hey, here's a good moment for you to like shine a little bit. What Sergeant Rivera really strives for and what he really wants to do in life, and. And, you know, you have to give those hints very, with, with, very subtle and, and, and but, but need, they need to be there, but not so big, because if they're big, you give away the surprise of the last episode, right? So that's a, a beautiful collaborative process between Cinco and, and, and my director and, and just trying to get the right amount of, of hints, but not, not so much that it will give away the surprise.
0: Yeah. I'm very excited for people to see that final moment for you in the season. That was
1: Jaime's favorite day on the set, I'll tell you. 100%. 100%. Yes.
0: And and Titus, you know, you're you're coming in and playing the narrator, but you know, there's, there's this essence of the narrator really being the viewpoint and the vantage point for the audience's perspective in watching things. And yet you're also playing a narrator that very much has his own sense of identity. You know, he has all these kind of sarcastic asides. He engages with his audience very directly with Melissa and Josh when they're responding to things if he disagrees with them. Um, and so for you, what were the aspects at play in terms of, you know, he's a conduit to the audience and he's kind of telling the story, but then he's also very much like responding to the, everything that he's seeing around him as well.
5: I don't know that he had much of a sense of identity at all because of how the story ends if you recall he says something to the effect of when someone going to narrate my story or something like that is that right Cinco?
1: yeah um, yeah he finally sort of
5: decides like
1: I'm done being a narrator yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm
5: done I'm done narrating other people's story and shaping other people's lives and and he, and he sort of takes the the bull by the horns and, and decides to um, you know declare it's my turn you know in in a in a sort of way um so, and that, but as it relates to, you know, his relationship with the audience, um, I think he's just sort of, enjoy. I think it's because of the absence of having had um, a proper framing with him downstage center as the focus of the story. Um, Jack's supposed to him framing other people and putting their needs and wants downstage center. I think that is why he enjoys these asides with the audience so much because he's like, you know, sort of take unleashing that, hidden uh, desire to be seen uh, and and, and it's sort of really reveling and making not things so much difficult for, for other people but rather since he knows how this whole thing is going to play out um, he's enjoying the struggle, the, the tassel, uh that these other people have in because he's not had the opportunity to have it himself and no one has shown interest in wanting to give him that. Uh, so I think that is it's not so much that he's sinister or evil or you know outright a bad person. Um, I think it's just he—he—he he, he wants the same focus and attentiveness that he is tasked with giving to other people. Hmm.
0: I love that. And and Cinco, I did also want to ask you about just the the tone of the show because it's it feels very connected to the first season and yet has its its own really distinct identity. And obviously, with the nature of the musicals, there's kind of a little bit more of a darkness than there was in the first season. And it's this real amalgam amalgamation of, of, you know, the moment Aaron comes on. St- on screen. It's a very different feel to the world of Chicago and going into the courthouse with Jane. Um, and so I'm really fascinated in how you found this way to make these different tones that feel so unique really coexist in such a seamless way.
1: Yeah, initially that was pretty scary to me when I looked at all the varieties of musicals and I thought like can we go from like Jesus Christ Superstar to Chicago and then to Sweeney, like in the same episode? Isn't that going to like freak people out or like, you know, are people going to be along for that ride? And and ultimately I thought like, well, let's just ma- treat it as a strength instead of a weakness <laughs> and and let's just make the most of it and just like go nuts and and hope that our audience is along for the ride, you know? And I think ultimately that attitude worked you know we had our three separate worlds the the chicago cabaret world we had the hippie hair godspell world and then we had this victorian sweeney annie oliver world and and the the and it's fun to establish the three separately but then through josh and melissa's meddling you know those words worlds start to collide with each other and that was when I realized oh that's the magic of this season yeah like Pippin you know Sally Bowles and Jesus hook up you know and, <laughs> and uh you know and and uh what, what if Mrs. Lovett is actually kind of Miss Hannigan too you know and and that was really when I realized oh yeah this is this is a power of the show instead of uh, a flaw.
0: Yeah. And and for the for the cast, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the costumes and just those external elements as well, because obviously it's always such a a pathway into your character. But I imagine especially so when you've got costumes like this and, you know, Aaron, I've heard you mention how the moment that you started putting on those aspects for yourself that it even that's how you really found a lot of the mannerisms and even aspects of how does this character talk and and move in the world Um, and so for all of you was just really interested in how that helped you find a lot of the the very distinctive movement and mannerisms because it's so different from last season in terms of what it's asking of you all yeah I think you
2: know good wardrobe and good hair and makeup it it does so much work for you um it not only from what the audience sees but also yeah like you mentioned it just makes you kind of it makes you carry yourself differently makes you walk differently talk differently and yeah i just you know for me i put that wig on and i i just couldn't stop laughing at myself and then also the clothes too right i had this like kind of crazy victor garber bob ross wig on and i'm dressed (laughs) like some, some version of Robert plant right so it just made me kind of carry myself very very different. Differently than I do in my normal
1: life. And I mean, what a dream. You know, what, what a dream as an actor to kind of get to do that. I felt it was very important the first day Aaron put on that wig for me to say, like, Aaron, you look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots of support. Because I, I, I support, was nervous. Yeah. I thought, like, how is he going to react to this? But uh, yeah, he, lots if of support, anyone could yeah. pull it off, it's you, Aaron. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh,
3: my goodness. I th- yeah, I think that definitely, like, I mean, even in my daily life, and I think this is a global thing for everybody. Um, women talk about this a lot, like, after a breakup, how important it is to, like, change your hair to, like, adopt a new identity. Um, but I think also as actors, as chameleons, like like Aaron said, if I put on a wig, it's game over. I'm animating differently. I'm looking at people differently, especially if I have, like, a bang. I feel like my eyes are so much more expressive. And even just having the shorter hair, it's like, I felt like a whole new human. I was like sassier and, and quicker fire on like, you know, be like quick quips and things like that. And I think, um, especially like as women, when you are wearing form-fitting clothing or, you know, you're in garters and fishnets and like little corseted numbers, you just move differently. You just, you animate differently. You either feel like more, more sensual, less sensual, more boyish, more feminine- Um, and I just got the incredible gift of the wardrobe this season. I just thought it was so, so beautiful. Um, and yeah, it really helps. It always really helps me to change how I move in the world. Um, and especially like, yeah, Jenny's like a kind of a very vulnerable like touchable like child woman and the clothing was such an assistant for me in that area I, I so agree like, with
4: the, we we feel we feel super sexy when we wear those those things
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> spoilers <laughs> oh sorry
0: yeah <laughs> I mean Jaime for you did it help you find some of that kind of like enforced rigidity for the character as well because I feel like when I watch your performance there's a oh, yeah. specific kind of structure to it
4: one hundred percent. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. With that That shirt was like that shirt was super tight uh, on the neck. It'll just stiff your neck. You, uh, I couldn't actually move, and it helps with the rigidity of and the and the the regal of, of the regalness. That word exists, fellow Americans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The okay. of the the wriggleness of the of the character, right? It was it was it, it helped a lot. And also the fake mustache, it was so uncomfortable to have. It was so it felt because Cinco oh. wanted it to be huge. So the um, <laughs> you know, the the, the surface of, of the of the of the mustache and how it glued to my face was so thick and so uncomfortable that I could barely talk. And he was very uncomfortable. So all the everything that was so uncomfortable was part of the character. He was so uncomfortable
5: right. in, in
4: his in his own skin, right? Mm-hmm. So on top of being uncomfortable with his own skin, putting these layers of of like super like starch, I believe you call it starch for the shirt, and being so thick and so in uh, the everything, it, it felt like like an armor. Uh, it was, it was. It had, everything helped to to do the character more like that. Yeah.
0: And for you, Titus, with like the, the wonderful kind of like showmanship and presentation of your costume, how did that help you? Well, my costume was really comfortable. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I, yeah. and I got to take off my coat whenever I felt like it. In fact, it, it, one of the things that really helped me relax into it was because of how free he was. He was never in any danger of anything. So you know what I mean? So he just kind of did what he wanted, said he wanted, appeared where he wanted, and wore what he wore how he wanted. Um and and I think that sort of cavalierness um uh, gave way to um a certain finesse that you might be um consuming when you when you watch it. Um not because I finesse it so, but because of how relaxed I felt in my in my wardrobe. And-
0: and then kind of going back to something that you were touching upon with, with Jenny a little bit, Dove, I wanted to ask about that, that idea of kind of how you play to some of the darker sides of your characters in a in a world that's so fantastical and heightened, you know, with the fact that Jenny has this, this trauma, you know, even for you, Erin, you're playing someone who is going through that sense of who am I, what is it that really brings me happiness? I'm trying to impart it on other people, but I haven't necessarily found it in myself. And it's so fascinating to watch these kind of like real internal dialogues that these characters are having within themselves, within the world of kind of a heightened musical with a lot of comedic elements. And so given that it is such an amalgamation of, of tones with what Cinco was talking about, how did you all really find the balance of, of how to play to those sorts of elements in your characters specifically?
3: Um, well, I think that's the really beautiful thing about the kind of stuff that Cinco writes is it's the the, the world of Schmigadoon is like a Trojan horse project you are so distracted by you know it's actually it's like bells and whistles it's like a razzle dazzle you're so distracted by the glorious kind of acid trip like how in the world is apple making the show of it all that then by the end of it when you've really like kind of downloaded the lesson it's so much more um, visceral the experience of how human it all is and so throughout the whole show we're encouraged to like aaron said be performing even larger than we would in the theater, but these are all very real human characters and struggles. And and um, Jenny is really traumatized. Jenny, Jenny. The more you watch the show, she has a really, really dark background, or so she kind of believes, and also she does. Um, and I think, as someone who myself is very deeply traumatized, um, thank you Cinco for recognizing that in me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I I definitely think that I'm obsessed with this concept of a mask reveals. Uh, and I think that Jenny's sort of insistence upon her performance that she thinks she's really getting away with is actually much more for herself than for anyone else. Um, and it's that scene that you you see with Keegan and Cecily coming up uh, where she says, I actually don't have a father. And you sort of see her crack a little bit as she turns around and, and snaps. And that's really the thing that's pushing her to, to perform um, to such an extent. And so I think that, the sort of larger than life denial of reality is actually one of the more human things about this show because oh. we all are guilty of that.
5: Denial of reality, that's well said, sister.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how, how did you find that kind of similarly, Aaron, with your character, given that it's, you know, going back to what you were saying about kind of like the broadness, but then you're still playing to that internal dialogue as well.
2: Yeah, it makes me think of um, the duet that Dove and I uh, sang. It kind of you know so much of the show is kind of so larger than life and this fantastical world that we're all existing in and then you know when our two characters meet it's like almost as if for the two of us kind of all of that kind of stops for a minute and things just like get really simple and really slow and you know and I think that um that number and then specifically filming that number right we went from these these big production numbers to kind of just the two of us on a soundstage in a little tent with a camera really close and just kind of it was just like a very simple, intimate scene, and so that that resonated with me about kind of that really you know that that was really the key that that clicked in about how this my whole character worked so um, it was interesting, you know you for how how large and amazing some of these things are, it almost undercut that you know, to kind of go to this very simple, simple place,
1: yeah, I mean, the name of the song is something real, right like that was the that was the purpose that it's like these two people who are kind of always performing now are face to face with each other and they have to kind of reveal their true selves to each other and that that helps them get to a place they need to go. Yeah.
0: I mean, that that idea as well of of performing in a way that is larger than you would in the theater, which is kind of the opposite to what you would think. Usually you're kind of going for the the, the smaller choices once it's on screen and once the camera's closer. Um, you know, for you, Jaime, what was that journey like coming into the first season and really just finding that that balance and that comfortability of making the larger choices, even though it's the more intimate setting of of having a camera that you're working with?
4: Yeah, I think, I, I love what Aaron was Aaron was was saying about that. I, I, I found it so uh, interesting that that what you said, Aaron. I love that how, how you you need you feel the need you you need to be like bigger and broader in the show than on stage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it, it's funny because I believe that in season one, Ariana's character and myself were the characters that. At that point in the story, halfway through the through the story, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Cinco, are the characters that ground, they ground a little bit the, the moment. Yeah. They, they give the possibility of, of, of a potential um, a new relationship or a new love story between the, the stars of the show, between Keegan and Cecily. So I believe that Ariana and I, our job was to ground the show a little bit during that moment. And, and and then and, and then of course at the end have a little more fun, right? When Jane Prokowski arrives in the car, and, and you know my mom goes like, "Oh, don't worry, you're, you'll find someone else." We got to play a little bit more. Um, but 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 when we at that moment we were or Cinco wanted us to ground the story a little bit more and, and present the possibility of a true potential love story, new love story for our for our stars. And in, in this season, season two, um, uh, well, at the very end, I go full grand. But during the show, it needs to also be what we talked about before, really grounded and really like, you know, these guys trapped inside of him, right? Yeah. And for I, you, I,
1: I'll say, sorry, oh, oh sorry. Mara. Sorry, I was just gonna say that I think it's a real testament to the skills of our cast. That they're able to like bounce back and forth between these things. You know, that like that that um that moment with where Dove as Jenny is sort of like talking about her dad is just like really real and powerful yeah. in a show that's very silly at right. times, you know, and and it's not easy to like do that as a performer, I don't think, to like be able to like move in and out of the different tones. And but but everybody does it really well. I never I never was worried about that with our cast because I felt like they can move in between these worlds seamlessly.
4: And, and I think they, they understand, I mean, they're extraordinary professionals and individuals, but was that the first scene you shocked of uh when when we first when I when I when my character has Keegan inside of this like warehouse? No, right?
3: No, no, no. He's talking about a scene within the apartment where um oh. Cecily and Keegan's right. characters
4: approach my yeah.
3: character about Alan. Yeah. 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 We shot that towards the end. No, actually, because there's, but... because
4: there's another, I mean, there's another great scene for Dove when, when. I know what yeah. you're going
3: to say. No, yeah.
4: no, 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 no. Like, what I'm going to say is this. I, I don't know if it was your, your, but, but, you know, we were being silly on set at the beginning and everything and you, and then you in two freaking seconds, boom, you, you switched uh in, into the realness of you know, being with Alan and and right there, like going, oh, daddy, I missed you, whatever. It was incredible to see you perform there because we were having fun and we were being silly and everything, and we were doing the scene in a, in a silly kind of way. And then you immediately got the note in, in like two milliseconds and you went, and you went from having fun to super grounded. And, and it yeah. was incredible to watch.
3: Thank you, Herman. thank
4: yeah. you. Everybody
3: does that though. It's, it's, it's it is like, you're right Senko, it's actually, it's kind of a crazy, group of people that you have here who actually do a lot of you know these kinds of like really larger than life projects and and they can go into that kind of like like aaron's commitment to like (laughs) how earnest and silly his character is but then like the ways in which like you can become so quickly present and so human it's it's not an easy thing to do as a performer and everybody everybody can do it i mean talk about keegan cecily and jaime everybody it's it's kind of mind-blowing
0: It is. And it's, it's so impressive to kind of like watch that dance that you're all making and, and for you Titus and coming into this show and, and mm-hmm. having that foundation of the first season to look at what were kind of some of the the touch points that you really absorbed into figuring out how to play your character and kind of how to do that dance. And then what were some of the newer spaces just because obviously the second season has kind of forged its own identity. So it's sure. kind of pushing all these ideas even further.
5: Very good. I didn't reference anything in season one. I just watched it. Uh, it had nothing to do with how I, it didn't inform anything about what I was doing. Um, this was, this, Chicago is a wholly different, wholly ass different thing to it. So. Universe. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really kind of exists outside of where they were And you know, on purpose, obviously, but, you know, in terms of my way into the nuances and eccentricities of um, the, the, the way Cinco writes his stories and, 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 you know, it just, it wasn't, it, it would have done me, you know, no service. Um, but what I did use was um, the, the tropes and the musicals of the sixties and seventies and, and early eighties and, and how, um, you know, Ben Vereen, for instance, you know, how, how he moved in and out of, you know, um, uh, narrating the story in, in Pippin and, and, you know, how he, drop in and in sweet charity uh and and jesus christ superstar you know and using you know how he accessed his anger and his disdain when the story wasn't going the way he wanted it to go and and, and his delight when it so tragically went the way he wanted it to go you know that's, that's kind of more what i borrow from and then also just our story in and of itself was so clear and my role um to me or, or the the function that my role served was so clear to me. It wasn't. It wasn't very difficult to, to uh, make make sense of. I think the hardest part was making certain that I, when I was outside of the story, to not become Titus and be a fan and just be sitting there watching. But like to, to <laughs> stay, to, to stay. That was very difficult because honestly, everything was so entertaining Uh, and so you know that was a fine line to toe. but i didn't have a hard time dropping in
0: and i had my own darkness to pull from so just (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah And, and lastly, for, for you, Cinco, in terms of the musical numbers, um, I, I love the concept of, of having live musical performances on stage, even though you're filming them, because it feels like that's part of how you really find that that connectivity and, and that discovery in the moment that you allow the performers to have. Um, and so how did you make sure when you were figuring out how you were going to tell the story and, and how you wanted to set up the environment for your cast, that you were creating the environment that not only was going to give put them in the best position, but also really was going to create the most connected version of these musical numbers yeah
1: I mean I, th- I the the singing live thing is really important to me that was that that was great stuff wasn't it what, that was yeah great. it was great <laughs> <should have> spit <laughs> it out my um, I think the answer to the question is really the singing live was so important to me because otherwise I, I always hate when suddenly people are lip syncing stuff in shows. Yeah. It, it it bumps me. It it pulls me out of the show. I have to say, because it's, yeah. oh, it, it's suddenly, it's suddenly yep. it's like their mouth is an inch from a microphone. You know, it just like feels weird to me, but also it's not fair to the actors because they now have to lip sync to a performance that they gave like months ago, potentially. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so i love and you know that's why i wanted a cast that could do this so that i wanted them to be like authentic in the moment like this is the performance right now this is dove and aaron in a tent together and they're singing live to each other and they're not they're not trying to recreate something that they did two months ago they're they're in the moment right now doing it and 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 that was really important to me in every, you know, to the extent that we could do it. You know, you can't always do it. But the extent that we could, that was really important to me. And it and it goes also to the the realness that I wanted the show to have. You know, I wanted it to feel like these characters are actually in front of Keegan and Cecily singing. You know, right. you I wanted <laughs> them to feel that, you know, and 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 be able to react to that. So so that was really important to me. And, you know, we have. The most incredible cast of any tv show ever i'm going to say it and 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 they're able to do this well,
0: I really well, love you say it because, you because it's true,
4: true.
0: <laughs> 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 i love everything that you've all crafted into this season it's it's such a wonderful series and it's it's so special and so unique so thank you so much to all of you I really appreciate your time today
3: oh, thank, thank, you. You. thank you thank you for your for time thank you mara